We're in the second half of the first chapter of James, and we carry on with this overview of the themes which the book is going to explore. You're going to find that James writes with lots of imperatives. Um, and as I speak today, you will no doubt pick up that sense of urgency that James has for us, that nudging, encouraging, sometimes overzealous kind of tone. Firstly, we need to detox. Look at verse 21. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. We need to detox, in other words. We have a big issue in this part of the world with having too much stuff. Too much food to eat that we get health problems from our diet. So much food to eat that about a third of it is thrown away. Too much food to eat while others don't have enough. We need to detox. Too much stuff that our houses are full, so we buy bigger houses, or then we downsize and we have to get a storage unit. One of the, the fastest growing industries of the last few years is self-storage. We can easily end up with so much stuff that we have to pay someone else to look after our stuff for us. And it's not just actual stuff. We can all too easily accumulate digital stuff. My computer was grinding to a halt on account of being full. And when I looked, it was mostly full of photos and videos. So I upgraded my iCloud, and uh, everything there is now running better. But just like people do with self-storage, I'm now having to pay Apple to look after my excess digital stuff. We need to detox. Have a look at verse 21 again. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. We need to detox, to get rid of the moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, as James puts it. And you'll know what it is that you need to get rid of in this regard. Uh, if you think you're perfect and you have nothing to get rid of, then I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message, um, and uh, we'll have a conversation. But I think that all of us, if we're honest, we know we have stuff we need to get rid of. Uh, people often tell me that they love the book of James. And one of the reasons is because it's so down-to-earth and practical. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. James is saying we need to have a spiritual detox. And I don't know if you've done a detox, but when people... Um, detox, they often drink some fruit or herbal teas, don't they? Maybe you've got some. Um, they tend to taste disgusting. Um, there's some, I shouldn't say that because I might be sued. Um, some people might find they taste disgusting, I'll say it that way. Uh, maybe you've had a detox day and you switch up your diet for the day and you start drinking those kind of special detox teas and instead of all the fried food uh, and white rice, you end up going for uh, grilled um, food and uh, and and. and brown rice, you swap out the instant sugary maple oatmeal for steel-cut oats. The sugary drinks are replaced with some kind of cucumber-infused water. James tells us that if we're to be slow to get angry, or if we're to avoid human anger altogether, if we're to be quick to listen, if we're to produce the righteousness that God requires, we need to detox. We need to get rid of the moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and we do that by humbly accepting the word 
that is planted in us. In other words, it's out with the bad stuff and in with the good. And if you've ever had a go at detoxing for a day, you'll know that it doesn't really make much difference at all. It takes time to get toxins out of our body. We have to keep on with the special teas and the brown rice and the steel-cut oats for longer than one day if we want to see lasting change. It's the same for James. Discipleship for him means having a detox, replacing the moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accepting the word planted in you which can save you. So to feast on the word, to drink the word, to eat the word, the word of God for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, if we really want that word planted in us. So there we are, we're fully detoxed. Uh, we've read the book of James a few times. We're feasting on the word every day. What next? James says, do what it says. Do what it says and be blessed. So we need to detox, we need to do it. Do what it says and be blessed. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. It's all very well listening to something, even knowing something, but we have to go and do it. The example James uses is that of looking in a mirror. Anyone here uh, raise a hand if you've looked in a mirror this morning? Um, I'm hoping some of you who drove here looked in your rearview mirror. Um, you're supposed to do that every few seconds. We, we, it may seem daft, him saying, you know, look in the mirror and forget your appearance. Of course, back then, uh, they didn't have um, IKEA, and there weren't mirrors everywhere as we have them today. Um, and so the mirror probably would have been made of gold. Uh, probably most people wouldn't have get to see themselves in the mirror very often at all. Um, there were no photographs and selfies were not invented. But really the point James is making is quite simple. If you can look in the mirror and forget what you look like, um, that's what it's like to read the word and then not do it. And if you want to see some fun, we're going to have some fun at the 1015 service um, with uh, forgetting what you look like. But more of that at that service. Verse 25, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. We have to remember what we hear in the ways of Jesus as we follow him. And we have to do it to put his teachings, his commands into practice. One of the things I missed about moving to Canada and, and driving a car is that um, the, the stick shift standard transmission car that I got used to uh, driving in England. Um, the automatic transmission takes all the fun out of driving, doesn't it? Uh, it? It just does all the work for you. There's no clutch pedal. My left foot is just bored. There's, there's a nice little footrest to put it on. But, um, but I, I missed uh, the ability to change gear every two minutes as I was stuck in traffic. And so a couple of years ago, I was test driving cars, and I went to a dealership down on the Lougheed Highway, and I thought, right, okay, I'm going to have a test drive in a standard. And so I took this car out, and before I'd even left the dealership, it was very embarrassing, I hadn't even got onto the Lougheed Highway, I managed to stall the car. Um, but I didn't just manage to stall it once, I did it several times as I was on the 10-minute test drive. It was all very well me knowing how to drive a standard car, thinking I knew what to do. But because I was rusty, I wasn't practiced. It wasn't the same as actually doing it. You know, when you tell someone that you're a Christian, that you love the Lord Jesus, that you follow him, 
there is an expectation. You'll know what I mean, the expectation that people put on you, even if they hear you've come to church. The expectation that your life will be in some way different. They start watching you to see what the differences are. And sometimes they, they call you on it. And they ask you if you're doing the right thing. Have you had that happen? A few years ago, there was a movement that swept uh, through the church. Maybe you encountered it too, where people wore bracelets and it had the letters on WWJD. What would Jesus do? And this whole concept is the same one in James 1, of putting the word into action, of trying to see it implemented in our lives. I remember I was working um, at a grocery store and my manager asked me about this WWJD uh, wristband that I had on. At the time, it was just before Christmas. Um, I was working on the, in the fridge on the dairy section, and uh, I was filling the shelves with cartons of milk. Um, and, uh, and up came the, the manager to me, and he said, he said, well, what's that thing on your, on, your, on your arm? So I explained that it was, what would Jesus do? And he just said to me, what Jesus would be doing if he was here? He'd be putting out the milk. And I said, yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. When people know that we're Christians, they have an expectation of us. An expectation that may or may not be true, but an expectation of us doing what the Bible, what the Word says. And James assures us that as we look into the perfect law of Christ, as we follow it, we can expect to be blessed. So often, and I put myself in this category, people have this, uh, this desire, this hope, this, this longing to, to, to live a more fruitful, fulfilling relationship with Jesus. But it sometimes seems hard to do. God seems far off. For, for others, God, Jesus, long time ago, uh, all very well, God created the world, Jesus did some good stuff, 2,000 years have passed, and the idea of a relationship with Jesus uh, is a lot to get their heads around. I've mentioned John Wimber before, who founded the Vineyard Movement of Churches around the world, and he tells a story, and um, if you want to see the video of him doing the story, it's better than I can do, and uh, it's on our Facebook uh, group. If you haven't got access to that, let me know, and I'll, I'll send you the clip. And uh, he says it was when he was becoming a Christian, and he was at this church where they were doing so much Bible study, and week after week he was going back and doing more and more Bible study. And at the end of several weeks of this, he goes and says to one of the leaders, so when are we going to start doing some of the stuff, some of the stuff that Jesus told us to go and do? The, the casting out demons, the, the praying for the sick, the healings, those kinds of things. And the reply came, we, we don't do the stuff. We believe the stuff. We read about the stuff. We learn about the stuff. We sing about the stuff. We give money to the stuff. But we don't do the stuff now. And he said, I want to go find a church where they do this stuff. In other words, James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word. James 1.25, do it. Do not merely listen to the word. Do it. And in the doing, in the putting the word into practice, in the following the laws of Jesus, we will be blessed in what we do. Uh, some of you like to hear from commentators, so here's a, here's a quote from a commentator for you. The law is freeing. In that, by submitting to Christ, one is freed from the bondage to sin and death, including all legalism 
in the sense of meriting one's salvation. Thus, James is saying that it is the person who lives in this freedom who will be blessed by God, not the person who only learns about it. So like the detox, that's more effective if we carry it on and turn it into a healthy lifestyle. So with doing what the word says, the blessing comes from our continuing to do it. One, we need to detox. Two, we need to do what it says. And so there we are, fully detoxed of all evil and moral filth, feeling quite good about ourselves. We're living out the law that brings perfect freedom from sin, doing what the word says. And thirdly, we get a bit of a warning. We need to zip it. To zip it. Or to put that in a more nuanced way, we need to practice pressing pause. James 1.26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. So there's a whole week uh, talking about the tongue later on in the series. Um, and for now in chapter one, we end with these two verses that give us a taster. Wisdom is knowing when to zip it, to zip up our mouth, to give our tongue a big bite and to say nothing. Some of the most encouraging, uplifting, wonderful things I've ever had said to me, I've heard from Christians in church. And so have some of the most hurtful, cutting and harsh things been said to me by Christians in church. James knows all too well the big risk there is in our mouths, the risk there is for us as followers of Jesus. It has the power to build up or destroy in just a few short words. It isn't that the tongue's just a risk for Christians, but that it's for our faith, our religion, as he calls it, to be worth something. We have to take hold of our tongues, to keep a tight rein on them. Some of you ride horses and the, and the, the tight rein thing will make more sense to you than me. Some people have no control of their tongues. You know, one of the things that British people love to do, and I have to say I haven't seen Canadians do it as much, maybe I just haven't noticed, but I, I, think, I think it's a British kind of trait, is, is that the Brits love to mutter under their breath. And, um, and, and muttering under your breath is a particular skill because you don't actually want the other person to hear you muttering under your breath. But you want to hear that you've said it out loud. Um, if you wanted them to hear it, you just talk to them. But it's the whole thing of... Um, it, it normally happens in some kind of a social situation, like if someone pushes in front of you in line, and under your breath you'll mutter, well, I obviously didn't realize there was a line here, or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Um, maybe, you've, maybe you've done it or seen someone do it. Um, of course, with mask wearing, it may mean that uh, this puts an end to, to the effectiveness of muttering under your breath, because if you've got your mask on, it just... It's going to sound like a mumble. The big idea in James' letter is about practical wisdom. That's the difference between wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom is knowledge we apply. Knowing must become doing. And he wants us to take care. To take care of ourselves, to take care of our faith journey, our development and growth as Christians. And so we get left in James 27 with a couple of examples 
of how we can live out our faith in Jesus Christ. Specifically, looking after orphans and widows. More broadly, that message for us as Christians is to look out for and to care for each other. For those in our community, our neighborhood, our condo complex. All the while, we are to take care. A lot of people say take care, stay safe, and for James, that means to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So we have to practice zipping it, pressing pause on our talking. We have to take care, to take care that the ways of the world don't affect us like pollution affects the river in industrial cities. So in summary, three things to think about today. We need to detox, to drink on the word, to do what it says and be blessed, and to zip it. Practice pressing pause before you speak and take care not to be polluted by the world. There is a lot to look forward to as we dive in a bit more detail into the book of James in the next few weeks, but I'm going to leave it there for today. Amen.